0: Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. There are a few reasons why you and I don't do the things that we should do, that we could do, that we need to do. But I think the major reason why we don't is because we're afraid. Fear actually influences each of the moments where we hold back, where we say no. And I think that's why the most frequent command in the New Testament is do not be afraid. It was like the New Testament writers heard the words of Jesus and it resonated in their hearts. And so they wrote it down every time he said, do not be afraid or fear not. They were writing to themselves to remind themselves to not allow fear to dictate what they do and where they go. But then they thought about you and they thought about me. And maybe that's why they wrote it down. They were thinking that there are going to be people that might read this that need to be reminded to not be afraid. It was like these New Testament writers were inviting us to Take God at his word. They were inviting us to put this command of do not be afraid into practice. Because when we do, we confront our fear and it causes us to be courageous. We actually discover the thing beneath the thing. The reason why we're struggling. The reason why we're behaving this way or speaking that way. Or the reason why we have this attitude or this posture in life. Fear can influence a lot of what we do and what we don't do. We're in week three of a series called Heart to Hand. And if you're watching or if you're listening, my name is Mike and I serve on the team here at Active Church and I'm so glad that you're a part of the story that God is writing here. And we've been talking about this idea that when Jesus is Lord of your life, when you trust him with your life, you give him your heart, it actually is something that can't be contained by your heart that it actually overflows to what you build with your hands. It influences every part of your life, how you speak to people, how you treat people. It influences how you are married, and how you parent, and how you work, and how you live. It also influences how you spend your money, what you do with your resources, how you manage your wealth. And this conversation about our money is difficult. One, because we don't want anybody talking about our money, right? Like, it's your money. And it's my money. But the thing beneath the thing when it comes to what we do with our resources is I really think a lot of us are afraid. I think we're afraid to connect our heart to our hand. I think we're afraid to be generous because we have these responsibilities in life, right? We have these people that we love and that we're learning to love that we want to take care of. There are things in our life that we want to take care of and we want to make sure that we have enough resource to meet those needs, I think a lot of us, when it comes to our stories and what we're responsible for, I think a lot of us have this question that we wrestle with when it comes to generosity. We ask, like, if I meet this need, will my needs be met? Like, if I do this, if I give away this resource to this opportunity, will it actually hurt or harm me or will it hurt or harm those around me? Maybe a better question that we wrestle with is, God, if I do this, Will you care for me? Will you meet my needs as I meet the needs of others? I think all of us want to be generous. I don't think any of us are like, nah, generosity is terrible. I think we all want to be generous, but we have this responsibility to those that we love. I think all of us have a desire to be generous, but we don't want to have it hurt or harm those that we love and care for. We want to be generous to the detriment of those in our families, right? And so we wrestle with, can I be generous? Will I be taken care of? Will they be taken care of? Is generosity going to harm me and hurt me? Or is it actually going to be helpful? God, will you meet my needs? And this is what's so good about Jesus, is that he's good and that he's a good God. And he responds to the fears in our hearts, to the things that we're afraid of with good words and good direction and good steps. Jesus actually addresses this fear in us very personally, very powerfully. It was written by a man named Matthew. Jesus spoke, and then Matthew wrote it down. Matthew actually spent three years with Jesus, and I think he wrestled with the same questions you and I wrestle with. I think Matthew wrestled with, am am I going to be taken care of if I participate in this generosity? Like, I have this responsibility, and I don't want to lack in my responsibility, but I do want to be generous. So how, how do I know these needs are going to be met as I meet these needs? See, Matthew was actually a tax collector for the city, for the, for the government of Rome. And he wasn't popular with the Jews, but he had all of his needs met. He was wealthy. And when Jesus invited him to follow him, he left everything. And perhaps he wrestled with this tension that we're wrestling with. Like, God, will you care for me? Will you meet my needs? Jesus spoke up and addressed that very issue, that fear in all of us, including Matthew. I think maybe he even spoke directly to Matthew when he said in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, these words, he said, therefore, in light of your fear and in light of what you're afraid of, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear is not life worth more than food and the body worth more than clothes. then Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father, he feeds them. And then he asks us a question. He says, aren't you much more valuable than the birds of the air? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The answer is no, by the way. And, And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field and how they grow, they don't labor and spin. Then Jesus makes this connection to somebody in that time that everybody would know. He speaks about Solomon, the son of King David, who was the richest man to ever live. He said, yet even I tell you that Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. In other words, God took care of Solomon, even though he had all of his needs met, even though he had all of this resource, Solomon still needed to be dependent upon God and God cared for him. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, it's thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, like know who it is that you believe in and are following. And then Jesus says, so don't worry about tomorrow saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for even the pagans the people who don't believe that there's life after this life that there's meaning in life that this life matters they eat drink they're they're going to be merry and then they're going to die that's what a pagan person was in this time he says the pagans run after those things but your heavenly father knows that you need them and then he gives us the best direction he says in light of your fear seek first God's kingdom his righteousness And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus, Jesus is fully God. And Jesus is fully human, which is so important for us to understand. Because that means that Jesus can empathize and sympathize with us. He can say, man, I am so sorry that you're going through this, that you're feeling this, that you're experiencing this. But then he can also say, and I know how you feel And it's in this moment that Jesus actually says, I understand your fears. I was there. I've been there. I felt it. And I'm so sorry you're going through it. I understand that you have this longing to be cared for. And he answers each of those fears by pointing us to our father in heaven. He says, your your heavenly father knows your needs. And he promises to care for your needs, to meet those needs. Here's his point. You're not forgotten by your father in heaven. And you never will be. You are not forgotten by your Father in heaven, and you never will be. And because of that reality, Jesus says the best response is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because when we do, God meets the deepest needs in our hearts, the greatest longings in our souls. God will care for us. In other words, when we build the kingdom of God, God meets the needs of those who build. So will God care for us as we care for others? The answer is yes. Peter even affirms this. Peter, who spent three years with Jesus, said, the major thing that I learned from Jesus about our Father in heaven is that we can cast all of our cares upon God because it's good to get it out of us. But he says, not just that, but because God cares for you. Listen, this is a good word, right? This is a beautiful mess of words. But I'm, I'm somebody who loves to learn from somebody who is actually not just talking about it, but they're going to be about it. Are you with me? Like, I love to interact and learn from people who are working on it while they're working in it. They're talking about it, processing it, learning and discovering, and then applying it in life. And so I love to learn from people who are doing that. And I want to learn from somebody in the scriptures who is doing what it is that Jesus has invited us all to do, to trust him, to be confident in him, to take him at his word, to be generous and trust that the father in heaven is taking care of us. And there's a story in the letter that Luke writes about a person who really is unknown. Their story is really just a blurb. It's like, A moment and then it's gone. And if you're a Bible reader, you probably have read this, but you just passed by it. If you're not a Bible reader, this person's story is there and then it's gone. But they're actually courageously generous. And Luke is intentional in telling their story. And what we'll find is that they were somebody that trusted God and took God at his word and was confident that God would come through on his promise to care for them. And so I want to invite you to follow along, read with me in the letter of Luke in the New Testament. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 1. And as you're turning there, here's a bit about Luke. He was a doctor, he was intelligent, he was smart, he was bright. And he had his life changed by Jesus, and he wanted to tell that story. And so he began to document the life of Jesus by interacting with those who had been changed by Jesus to the people that experienced Jesus up close and from a distance. And he writes the Gospel of Luke, and he writes the letter of Acts in the scriptures. And it's in Luke chapter 8 that he mentions a really significant person. Again, he mentions them, it's like a blurb, and then it disappears. But it's powerful, and it's significant, and I want to look at their story. So Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 1, Luke writes this, that Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, things that we just read about that Matthew recorded. And the 12 were with him. So these are the 12 disciples, the the 12 guys that hung out with Jesus. But then Luke also says, and there were some women there too. So we always talk about the 12 disciples, but you need to know that there was always this larger group that was around Jesus, and it was men and women. And then Luke gives us some details of some of these females that are with Jesus. One of them had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Her name was Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. That's interesting, right? And then in verse 3, he mentions Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, and Susanna, and many other women. These women, and this is good, listen to this, these women were helping to support Jesus and the disciples out of their own means, out of their own resource. So a couple things. First, he mentions Mary called Magdalene. Now Magdalene was uh, a takeoff of the city that she was from. They didn't have last names in that time. They were just acknowledged as people from certain cities. That's why Jesus is popularly known as Jesus of Nazareth. I would be Mike of Eucaipa during that time. Well, Mary was from a city and influenced her her name she was Mary of Magdalene, and Luke says that she had a story to tell. she was cured of evil spirits and diseases, and then he gets specific: seven demons had been released from her, and Luke felt like that mattered like that was something that he needed to actually he needed to actually tell you and and tell me and this is important because we at Active believe that every story matters, perhaps Mary had. This powerful story to tell. Perhaps Mary would be somebody that you would want to sit down with and ask questions about, ask questions about Jesus and the kingdom of God. And then Luke actually mentions Joanna, who is the wife of Chusa. And then he adds this little nugget. He says that Chusa is the manager of Herod's household. Now, Herod is the historical figure Herod Antipas. He was the ruler of that area, and he was rich and owned a lot of land and had a lot of servants, so much so that he needed somebody to manage it, and so he hired Chusa. And Chusa was responsible for all of his wealth, and his wife, Joanna, would actually have a share in that wealth. And Joanna, according to Luke, used the wealth of Herod to pay the bills of Jesus, that is huge. Like, think about this. Joanna would have been around the best of the best, the best food and best environments and best clothing and best people, the best everything. And from one line that Luke writes in his letter, we discover that none of it is as interesting as following Jesus. To which many of us might say, well, of course not. Because following Jesus is irresistible, and Joanna was learning that. She was spending time with fishermen who had left the family business, left everything behind to follow Jesus. She was there when Jesus would actually go near those with leprosy. And in that time, this was the most contagious disease. If you breathed their air or touched their skin, you would get leprosy, and there was no cure, and it would eventually lead to your death. And yet what Joanna saw was that when Jesus went near lepers, he held them. And they didn't infect Jesus, but Jesus transformed and healed them. Joanna saw people who were sick find health. She was there when these friends wrecked the roof of somebody's house while Jesus was teaching and they lowered their friend down and Jesus healed them. She was there. She was there and she watched this happen. She experienced life like she's never experienced it before. And it was irresistible. And she had this tension in her heart that she was wrestling with. What will I do? Will I build the kingdom of Herod? Or will I build the kingdom of God? Herod's kingdom would fill her belly. But God's kingdom would fill her soul. Herod's kingdom would bring her comfort and convenience, but God's kingdom would call her out to be courageous. Herod's kingdom would grant her access to the elite, but God's kingdom would give her peace with the creator of all things. So she had a decision to make. Who will hold the priority in my heart? Herod or Jesus? the governor, the king of this area, or the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Maybe she was thinking back and she heard about that moment or was there when Jesus actually said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's like Joanna had this awareness that what she did in life, it actually mattered. It mattered for her life and the lives of those around her, and it mattered for the life after this life. But she also recognized that what she did with her money mattered. mattered. For her life, for her heart, and for the lives of those around her. Perhaps she was thinking, like, what story do I want to tell? Herod's story was one of wealth and stuff and servants and houses and money, but Jesus' story... It was about hope and healing and holiness and righteousness. And because he was a Jewish rabbi and knew the law of God, she had heard him talk about generosity and she had heard him talk about the posture of our heart. And so Joanna knew that she needed to prioritize the kingdom of God over the kingdom of Herod. And then she faced her fear, the fear that Matthew had and the fear that you and I have. She faced her fear. Will I be taken care of by trusting that God would meet her needs in a very personal way and would care for her as she cared for others. And this, friends, wasn't a simple, easy, tensionless decision. It was life-changing for her. And for her specifically, it was life-threatening. Like Luke tells us later on that Herod actually threatens Jesus and the people of God. In Luke thirteen thirty-one, we read this, that some Pharisees came to Jesus and said, leave this place and go somewhere else because Herod wants to kill you. Of course he does. Because the kingdom of God, the one that Jesus is building, is a threat to Herod's kingdom. And here's the interesting thing. Those that are working for Herod are helping build the kingdom of God. They're serving Jesus. Maybe this threat of violence actually didn't start as a threat to Jesus. Maybe this threat of violence actually started in the household of Herod. Maybe he told Chusa... And told Joanna, like, you're going to lose your money. You're going to lose your authority. You're going to lose your family. You might even lose your life. And then maybe Herod was just fed up and he decided, you know what I'll do? I'll just remove Jesus so I don't have to deal with this wrestling, this tension, this issue anymore. So he threatens Jesus. And Jesus actually responds with these words in verse 32 of Luke 13. He says, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I'll reach my goal. Fox in that culture was like a derogatory term to say, hey, you go tell that manipulator, you go tell that liar, you go tell that phony that my kingdom, the kingdom of God is going to last forever and that his kingdom, it will be torn down brick by brick because this kingdom This kingdom of God changes lives and it's the kingdom we're inviting everybody into and it's the kingdom that Jesus was building and Joanna decided to build and it's the kingdom that you and I are invited to build too. God's kingdom is not about accumulating wealth and possessions. God's kingdom is about telling the story of hope and of love, of grace and forgiveness in life and for life and using all that we have to tell that story with all that we got. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, she decided that that was a better kingdom to build. So much so that she faced her fear, wrestling with, will I be taken care of? She trusted God, believed in God, participated in the kingdom of God, and knew that by participating in the kingdom of God through her generosity, needs would be met, better stories would be told, but that God would also meet her needs and care for her, It's like she trusted what Jesus had to say about our Heavenly Father, that he knows what you need when you need it. And he's going to meet every one of those needs. And she literally put her life on the line and trusted that God was in this. And she discovered that this was real, true life. This was the life that Jesus had invited her and you and me into. Life beyond this life. Life more abundantly. Life of joy. Life of celebration, life of generosity, a life that connects our heart to our hands. She decided, I'm going to build a kingdom of God over Herod's kingdom. So what about you? What about you? What kingdom are you building? Do you know the promise of God is this? Build with me while I take care of you. Like as you help meet these needs, I'm going to meet your needs. Build the kingdom of God and God will care and honor the builders. He will care for and honor those who are building the kingdom of God. And you don't have to be afraid because God is going to fulfill his promise. He will keep his promises to love you and to serve you and to care for you. Jesus even said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. So whose kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom are you willing to build? Friends, if, if fear keeps you from building the kingdom of God because you believe that you have these responsibilities and you don't want to hurt those around you, you don't want to be generous to the detriment of those around you, Jesus says, your heavenly Father's got you. He's got you in his hands. The words of Jesus were this, My Father who has given you to me is greater than all and no one can snatch you out of my father's hands. It's like Jesus is saying, listen, I got you, now build with me. I got you, now trust in me. I got you, now put me first in all that you do. What if we did that today? What if we faced our fears today? What if we trusted God today and we were confident that he will keep his promises? What What if we knew that we were created to connect our heart to our hand, to care for those around us? knowing that our Heavenly Father is going to care for us. Friends, there's nothing better than doing this together. So what if we decided to do it together? I have two challenges for you. You can do both. You can do one of two, or you can do none of them. It's your life. It's your decision. You get to decide what kingdom you're going to build. But I want to invite you to take a step today. And the first step is about our house here at Active. I want to invite you to be generous. I want to invite you to take the tithe challenge. Here's the tithe challenge. You are going to commit to participating in giving a tithe for the next six months. And we talked last week that the tithe is 10%. You're That going to commit to giving 10% of a tithe for the next six months. And if 10% is a bit overwhelming to you, I want to invite you to start somewhere. But be intentional in your generosity. Be obedient to what God has called us to And connect your heart to your hands. And be a part of something bigger and better than just your story and your world. Use your story to impact your world and the world. I want to invite you to give with us. You can do that in three ways, and our team will explain that in just a minute, but quickly, you can do it online, you can do it through text, or you can do it if you show up through a cash or through check. Place it in the the, the boxes that are available. And I want to support you and cheer you on in this tithing journey. It's something that my wife and I participate in, and it's something that we're grateful that we get to do. And so I want to invite you to to get started in this tithe challenge by texting GIVE to the number that you see on the screen. Text GIVE to the number that you see on the screen. And weekly, I'm going to reach out to you, connect with you. Our team will reach out to you and connect with you and help you to hear about the stories of what your generosity is doing in our community and in our world and listen i believe in the tithe so much and what it does for the posture of our hearts that if you think that there is an ulterior motive here that maybe perhaps we're going to misuse the funds or we're trying to buy like a new jet or something like that then i want to invite you to give a tithe to another local church Listen, you can attend active, be a part of active, sing with us, learn with us, follow Jesus with us. But if you think there's an ulterior motive, then I want to invite you to give a tithe to another local church. And here's the thing I want you to be very clear about. I want you to understand that whether you give or you don't give, we will love you and we will serve you. Because we're the church. That's what we do. That's what God does for us. You giving is not contingent on if you're loved or if you're served. But I want to invite you to connect your heart to your hand and participate in giving. So take the Tithe Challenge and text GIVE to the number that you see on the screen. This is about our house, and now I want to extend it outside of our house. And I want to invite you to participate in our partnership with Youth Hope. This is an organization just 15 minutes from us in the city of Redlands. They love and serve those kids who are struggling at home, or maybe don't even have a home. They help them get back into school, get an education, get jobs, and really grow as people and grow in their faith. My friend Heidi Mayer and the team there are incredible. And Active Church has partnered with Youth Hope because they do such a great work. And earlier this year, we gave them a resource check of $5,000 because of your generosity to help support what they're doing. And recently, some activators from Active Church that are a part of our Rooted Expression it's, they, they have actually decided to renovate the youth center that was given to Youth Hope so that this place is a place that's safe and engaging and fun. And so our team is right now working on this youth center, and you can actually help fund that work by giving to Youth Hope today through the Dollar Club. And I want to invite you to go to our website, activechurches.com, click the Give button, and look for Dollar Club in the drop down menu. Every dollar that's given to the Dollar Club will go to Youth Hope today and this week. Friends, connect your heart to your hand. Participate in the tithe challenge for our house. And let's give to Youth Hope to build the houses outside of our house so that we can build the kingdom of God and trust that God is going to meet our needs as we meet the needs of those around us. Those that we're learning to love and those that we love. Friends, let's connect our heart to our hand and let's participate in doing something bigger than me and bigger than you, bigger than us. And then plan on coming back next week as we conclude this conversation about connecting our heart to our hand and talking about the best posture of generosity that we can hold in this life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you. That we are not people that are watching you work, but we are people. We are sons and daughters, children of you, God, that you've invited to participate in your work. And so I pray that we would fully participate in everything that we do, including what we do with our resource. May we be like Joanna, who decided to build the kingdom of God and trust that God was going to meet all of her needs May we be like Matthew, who left everything to follow Jesus, to build the kingdom of God. May we be like the fishermen that follow Jesus. May we be like Jesus, that we would be people that would tell the story of God that's in our hearts and connect it to our hands in Jesus' name. And all this is under the name of Jesus. And together we say, amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Ukaipa. See you next time.